Willow. This is Ruin Willow with the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm excited you're here today. I have an amazing guest. This is an interview episode with a doctor who is totally got an amazing set of life circumstances and things that she's done. So I'm just going to read her little bio here. It's not so little. (laughs) If you're under 18, it is time to leave the podcast, baby love, because we do touch on sex and sexuality. But this is an interview with Dr. Mimi Huang going by she, her. She's an internationally recognized psychologist, educator, author, and grassroots activist specializing in the LGBTQ plus and Asian Pacific Islander API communities. Since the 1990s, she has co-founded three organizations in Los Angeles for bisexual, pansexual, fluid, and other non-monosexual, aka bi-plus individuals. The Los Angeles Bi-Plus Task Force Ambi, which she said now I think is I am bi, is how it is spoken as now, in Los Angeles. Dr. Mimi has authored multiple publications and earned a seat at the landmark 2013 White House Bisexual Community Roundtable, in which she presented on bi-plus mental health disparities, and this later sparked her focus on bi-plus affirmative counseling and mental health. Her steadfast leadership has earned her multiple awards, a feature in Jan D. Gordon's LGBTQ of Steel photography book, and being named one of the most significant women in the bisexual movement. Dr. Mimi currently works as the interim coordinator of training at Loyola Marymount University, LMU, clinical supervisor of LGBTQIA+, Affirmative Therapy Center, Airport Marina Counseling Services, and is the creator of the Buy on Life Self-Empowerment Series in Bi-Plus Women's Space, a virtual support group for Bi-Plus women in Los Angeles. Woo! That is amazing. And one of the most amazing facts that we touched on was that she said that bisexual people comprise 57% of the LGB population. Wow, that's pretty mind-blowing, right? That's more than half. And we talk about this in the views people have held about bisexuality and how some people consider it to not be a valid orientation. It's just, it's a great talk. If you are interested in this kind of thing, gender and bisexuality, sexuality and all of these things relating to sexuality with different orientations and different viewpoints on gender and labels, this is a very valuable discussion. And I hope you get so much out of it. It's it's great. It was great to talk with her. I was really honored to have her on the show. She has a great story, too, where she came from and how she's gotten to the point where she is. She shares her personal experiences with her journey to where she is now and her journey through her sexuality. So this, again, is titled Bi Plus Desire, Healthy Sexual and Romantic Intimacy for Bisexual, Pansexual, and Non-Monosexual Individuals. Okay, let's get into this. And don't forget, if you want her links, they will be down in the podcast show notes, as will be mine, where I have my books, my erotic audiobooks, and all my links as well. So don't forget to check that out. And also, don't forget, if you're looking for a sex toy discount, get the Ruin Willow discount on my website. It has a bunch of different ways that you can get discounts on sex toys. So check that out. And Kiro Sex Toys as well. You can get 10% off with my code since I am an ambassador for their sex toys. They're wonderful. So check for those down in the podcast show notes and get yourself some pleasure. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, everyone, I'm so excited to talk to this person. She's had quite the journey. She's had these amazing experiences, just kind of mind-blowing. Really, really excited to talk with her. And I hope you just really enjoy this and get a lot out of this. A great, great resource for us to talk to and learn from. Her name is Dr. Mimi Huang. Did I say your name right? Oh, yes. It's actually pronounced (laughs) Huang. Huang. Okay. Like like H-W-O-N-G. Huang. Okay. So I would like to introduce everybody to Dr. Mimi Huang. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ruin. I'm excited to be on your show. 
I'm excited to talk with you too. I have so read so much about you, what you've done. It's just very amazing what you're doing and what you've done. How did you start on this journey? Well, thank you so much for all of your support. Well, you know, my my life has definitely had a really interesting arc. And, uh, you know, it really started very modestly. And uh, as, you know, some people may know, my family and I were immigrants from Vietnam. Um, I'm ethnically Chinese and Vietnamese, and I was born in Hanoi, Vietnam. And we were actually refugees after the Vietnam War in the late 70s. So we came here with pretty much nothing and really had to start our whole entire lives from scratch. And so, you know, we were this immigrant family, um, speaking multiple languages, trying to make, you know, a survival, right, of the situation. And so growing up, I really didn't have very much time or bandwidth to figure out my sexuality. And my parents were, you know, very traditional Asian parents. And, you know, even talking about sex was just really taboo. Right. So it was, yeah, something that just was never discussed. And so growing up, you know, I had crushes on boys and on girls. But I just really didn't have, you know, an opportunity to talk about it. I always knew for, you know, kind of implicitly that my attractions to girls was bad, you know, kind of just different messages from my parents, from TV, movies, you know, at that time in the 80s and the 90s. Right. And so I just hid that part of myself, all the same gender attraction. I really hid it. I suppressed it, sort of repressed it at some point. I kind of even forgot mm. for like a while. And so it wasn't until I got to college that I started to really start exploring that more. Very fortunately, I went to a large uh, progressive university. And so there were, you know, a lot of visibility around, you know, women's rights and, you know, queer studies and and things like that. And I I was a psychology major and a women's studies minor. Mm. And so that really helped. And I, I read all these, you know, radical feminist writers and some of them were queer, you know, lesbian And so things started, you know, my interest really started to peak for myself at that time. And, and so really opened my eyes. Now I had a boyfriend, you know, in college. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first really serious relationship. And so I started to share with him my fantasies and my thoughts and my attractions to women. And luckily, he was really cool with it, very understanding. And he had said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you came out as bisexual one day. Uh Yeah. And so having some support from him was great. And then I also went to the counseling in my university because I was going through some depression. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I didn't really know why I was depressed. Everything in my life seemed to be going pretty well academically, you know, socially, you know, I was in a relationship. So I went to the counseling center in my university and I worked with this therapist, a woman. And in that very first session, she asked, you know, what is your sexual orientation as therapy ask? And I said, well, I'm straight. Though I do think about women sometimes, but I'm straight. I'm straight. Right. And because, uh, you know, that's sort of what I thought I was at the time. Mm, yeah. And she was just very patient and just said, okay, nodded and like wrote it down in her notes, <laughs> you know, and we carried on and then came up again, you know, and, you know, my feelings and attractions for women. But that time I said, you know, 
I guess I do think about women sometimes, but you know, I'm here to work on my depression. And, uh, and so again, it was like, you know, I just wasn't quite ready. So right. she just, again, very patiently just nodded and said, okay. And we carried on. It came up a third time. <laughs> and so by that time, it's like, you know, you can't ignore it. You can't keep pushing it away. And she just very gently and, you know, compassionately helped me dive in. Mm. Um, and so she was very affirmative, very supportive and recommended me finding a mentor through mm. their LGBT mentoring program. Okay. And so I found a mentor. I was matched with a grad student, a bisexual woman. Mm. So she was a little older and had gone through her journey. She was also a person of color, an immigrant herself, with also mm. very traditional parents and, and values. Sure. And so I felt really understood. And through that mentoring relationship, I, I was finally able to say the B word. I'm bisexual. <laughs> the B word. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that was my senior year in college. And I started to come out to some close friends. And luckily, they were all very supportive. There were some friends that weren't uh, supportive. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's the reality. Yes. Yep. You know, there were some thoughts that, you know, I'm confused. I yes. know who I am and things like that. But, you know, I, I had support at that time. I, I knew who I was. And so that really helped. And, uh, and so later that same year, this was 1999, I, uh, started a, bisexual group at my college and it was called fluid mm. which I really just love that term and so that was really what sparked my leadership um, at that time and then just kind of kept growing you know after I went to grad school and uh, you know there wasn't a bisexual group in LA at that time and so I went and decided to, you know, start a bisexual social group in Los Angeles called Am Ambi. At the time mm -hmm. it, we announced it Ambi, it's now been rebranded to Ambi, like I am bi. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that was 2006. And uh, I really felt like it was so important to create community and uh, and then a couple years after that, I helped to start the Los Angeles Bi Plus Task Force, which is a nonprofit that promotes education, advocacy, and cultural enrichment for the Bi Plus community. Bi Plus meaning an umbrella term for bisexual, pansexual, and other non-monosexual labels. So, um, you know, my community leadership just kept growing. I ended up going to the White House in 2013 and uh, presented with 30-something other uh, bi-plus activists and leaders. Wow. And from there, uh, we really started to develop awareness around the specific health, mental health disparities that impacts the bi-plus community. Hmm. And, you know, me being a psychologist, I, I really felt really con concerned about that. Right. You know, that's, that's my, my area. And so at that point, I really started to focus more on promoting bi plus wellness and started to do more trainings uh, for other health and mental health professionals to make sure people are getting the, you know, education that they need to help their clients. And I also then developed a buy on life self empowerment mm. series, sure. which yeah was a, a way for me to help my community with developing self confidence and uh, self empowerment and find a way to live their lives more happily. So yeah, so that's where I am now. That's an amazing journey, and it sounds like you just had the the right support at the right times. For your journey, because, you know, there's a lot of people, like you said, that 
you know, may come out or mention something and they don't get what you did. I mean, obviously you've got some people that were not supportive, but what a great pathway for you to have those supports at those moments in your life to bring you to do all these amazing things. Yeah. See, and you know, I find it so important to uh, find community, build your village, as I say, because really takes a lot, you know, you want to find your tribe, your support system, because it can be hard when there's so many taboos. There's so many issues around people not understanding who we are or erasing. There's a term called by erasure uh, because we live in a very not, you know, very binary world where, you know, it's assumed that you're gay or you're straight. And Mm -hmm. so for those of us who don't identify as either, it can be so hard to even feel like we exist out there in the world. So, so thus, that's why I created just so many groups and communities and really believe in people finding counselors and therapists that can be affirmative because, hey, it worked for me and it helped me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Super important. And one thing I would love if you were to find before we move on, because some people, I feel like I run across people who don't understand what some of these terms mean. Like, could you define and explain the differences between bisexual, pansexual, and non-monosexual? And are these rigid boundaries or is it defined by personal ideation? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Yeah, so bisexual is attraction to more than one gender. Okay. And so, and we say more than one gender because we know that there's more than just two men and women. There's also non binary and many other genders. And so it's a more inclusive way of defining bisexuality. Another way to, to look at bisexual is attraction to similar and different genders than yourself, right? So just like heterosexual is attraction to the other gender, right? And homosexual is attraction to the same gender. So bisexual is attraction to the same and other genders. So that's bisexual. Pansexual is attraction to all, all genders in that your attractions are outside of gender, okay? So that's the main kind of difference between bi and pan is that pan folks, their attractions aren't really categorized by gender. 
they may uh, feel drawn to people with different traits, different looks, different personalities, that it's not necessarily gender bound. Mm -hmm. That that would be pan. Uh, Non-monosexual is, I think, just more kind of like a technical term for anything that's not gay or straight, which is, mm. is monosexual. There's many other terms, you know, that you might hear as well, like sexually fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is like for folks who just feel like their attractions maybe fluctuate from time to time. Um, you know, they could be a little bit more boy crazy or boy, a girl crazy at different times. And so it just allows for that fluctuation to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you also might hear omnisexual, uh, so that's also, you know, attraction to multiple genders. And so, you know, there's, there's different ways of describing, um, who you like, who you desire, both sexually and romantically. And I think that's also an important thing to, to look at because under the bi plus umbrella, you don't necessarily have to have this, like, sort of the same degree of attraction right. uh, to to certain genders, and so you may be more romantically attracted uh, to certain genders, more sexually attracted to certain genders. That the split attraction model. Understand that you know romantic and sexual attraction are two separate things. Sure. So. So, yeah, so, you know, and I don't know if it's really super, super uh, sort of rigidly uh, boundaried. And I don't think that that is helpful, you know. Right. Because there's always, you know, ebbs and flows and people might discover different parts of themselves at different times in their life. So, you know, I think that it's important that people adopt the descriptions that really fit for them. So, you know, different people who identify as bisexual might describe their sexualities differently. I think that's important for people to understand. And I think a lot of people don't grasp that. They want it to be more black and white, and it's not. And that's what they need to start to realize that this is not black and white. This is not you're going to fit you know, circle in a circle spot, square in a square spot. That's not how it works. That's not the reality. Right. (laughs) Another thing I wanted to ask you is I heard a new one recently that I never heard before. Have you heard of someone defining themselves as biflex? I hadn't heard that one before. And someone used that recently for not saying that they're fully bisexual, but that they are sometimes in certain situations would be interested in the the same sex, but not always. But Mm -hmm. for the main part, he was, he is heterosexual for the main part, but he calls himself bi-flex because there are certain situations where he would be physically sound sexually attracted to the same sex. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard of bi-flex. That's definitely a unique label, but I have heard of heteroflexible. Hmm. Yeah. So that means someone who's, you know, predominantly heterosexual, but that, you know, might dabble in some, you know, same gender stuff once in a while. And so, yeah, so I've definitely heard of that. Uh, I've heard of flexual, mm. <laughs> so kind of like sexual, but flexual, right? Um, you know, like they they feel like their sexuality is flexible. <laughs> yeah, there's there's all sorts of labels. Um, uh, you know, ambi, sexual, bi romantic. Mm. You know, trisexual. I'll try anything. And some people may use different labels at different times too, you know, so they might have like multiple labels and maybe in a certain context, they might prefer to to use certain identity descriptions versus other contexts. I think bisexual is probably more kind of just recognizable out there. Yeah. So, yeah. So someone who's on that, you know, bi plus spectrum might use that term in a more mainstream kind of arena, but maybe within like a queer or bi plus environment, they might say, oh, I'm actually omnisexual or pansexual, you know, fluid or something. 
you know? And so I think like that's, that's totally okay. Oh, absolutely. It just needs to be somehow more ushered into, you know, everyday life where people across the board and across our country (laughs) are more (laughs) accepting of these things and that it is very personal and it's not, it's not rigid and it can change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What does healthy sexual and romantic intimacy look like in real life for people that grasp this concept that it's very fluid? Do you feel that it's different or is it, how does that, how do you feel that plays out in real life? Well, I think that becomes a challenge, you know, when bi plus person wants to have a healthy love life, healthy sex life, you know, we, we want that. I want Mm -hmm. that intimacy, but our sexual identities can oftentimes be met with stigma and prejudice and, and, you know, exclusion and things like that. So, so I find that that, that does become really an important challenge. And I really think it starts with first the person knowing themselves, right? Because I think that, you know, if you don't, quite understand who you are yet, it can be really hard to communicate that to another person. And so trying to do that, that inward reflection, and, you know, it could be through the work of a therapist or a mentor or a community support group, right? And so those, those types of resources can help that person. Really good communication can also be really helpful. And, you know, I think it can be really personal, whether or not that person wants to come out on the first date or later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at some point, you you want to let your partner know who you are, what turns you on, your history, you know, who you have been with and, and things like that. And not in a way where, you have to defend yourself. I think some, some bypass folks oftentimes can feel interrogated, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, well, you're bisexual. So have you had these experiences before? Or, you know, how do you know? Right. And I tell people that you don't have to have any experience to know. Uh, you know, straight folks don't have to have those experiences, right? You, you just, you just know. Yes, yes. Right? I know exactly what you're saying because that's what people think. They're like, well, if you haven't done that, how do you know? You know because of your feelings. It doesn't matter. This is where people get confused. I find a lot too. They confuse sexual acts with your orientation. Yes. They are yeah. separate. They are right. separate. It's just because you do a specific sexual act does not put you in that category. Right. Right. Some people have the feelings, but they don't act on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. That happens so much that you have fantasies, you have the desire, you have the crushes, but you know, for whatever reason, you just don't have the opportunity to go and actually experience it go on a date or to have a hookup, a fling, you know, whatever, you know, it could be because, you know, you are in an environment that, you know, you don't feel like that would be allowed or okay. There could be just a lack of potential partners. You may be, you know, recovering from a breakup or maybe you want to be celibate for a while. I mean, whatever it is. You know, those things can happen. You know, we have dry spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we can't always sort of have the most active, you know, sex lives and love lives. And so that doesn't mean that our attractions are not there. So we always right. have the capacity, right? So it, it's about the attraction, not the action. Yeah. Which Capri Campo has coined, which, which I love. It's, it's really, you know, what you want to do or your capacity for that, you know, the sexual or romantic attraction. And so you don't have to have past experience. You don't have to be currently dating, you know, a man and a woman. And so I think that's why we want to, you know, communicate who we are and hopefully our 
partners will will be accepting of that. But I think that, you know, having those open talks with people that you're with is really important. Um, and then, you know, obviously all the other relationship skills, you know, around just healthy communication, boundaries, you're discussing whether or not you want to be monogamous or polyamorous, whether or not you want cohabitation, marriage, kids, you know, all of that stuff is going to happen too. But I think, you know, for someone who's bi plus, it can just be just slightly more challenging because their partner, especially if they're monosexual. So if that bi plus person is with someone who is gay or straight, mm. there just might be a, a lack of understanding. So those are called mixed orientation relationships. Okay. Yeah. And so that can just, you know, again, add another layer. And so I always encourage bi plus folks that, you know, they whoever you're dating, needs to just respect who you are. You know, it needs to be a non-negotiable. Um, they need to honor who you are. There's nothing wrong with who you are. So, so I definitely encourage that. What do you say to people that maybe didn't tell their partner and then finally did and their partner said negative things or, well, if I had known that, you know, things might have been different, kind of indicating they wouldn't have chosen that person. What would you tell someone that would be facing that kind of situation? Well, it's it's hard, definitely. It can feel really rejecting, you know, for that bi-plus person. And, you know, I mean, that happens all the time. If let's say, you know, that bi-plus person didn't know or didn't feel comfortable yet, they just weren't ready yet uh, Mm -hmm. to tell their partner. And I would say there could be some reasons that that partner is having negative, you know, reactions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because of misconception. I feel like it's oftentimes misconception, you know, that bisexual people, maybe they, they're unfaithful Mm -hmm. or they can't commit and, you know, or they have to have an open relationship. And so those are, you know, Again, stereotypes. Now, some bi plus folks love open relationships and some don't. Right. Some, some really gravitate towards serial monogamy and others are not built that way. You know, so I call that relationship structure, which is different from sexual orientation. Mm. You know, yeah, because yeah. you can be, you can be any, any orientation and be polyamorous. Right. You know, exactly. it's not, it's not somehow like just specific to the bi plus community. And so there could be just maybe myths to dispel uh, mm-hmm. with that partner. Sure, um, sure. Maybe, you know, maybe they're the very first bi plus person that the partner has ever been with. And so right. there's just some room for them to educate themselves. There is couples therapy, you know, if, if they need to work out some things, um, or, you know, if they need to change their relationship structure, uh, which isn't always the case uh, in some cases, you know, that that bi plus person may want to then start exploring and possibly date, you know, sure. other genders. So, so, you know, um, I think it can be uh, challenging for both partners, but, you know, with patience and love, things can work out. Absolutely. Now, do you feel with your background and as a psychologist and all of your background with all of this, do you feel that two partners or more could actually be truly intimate without having disclosed this? Or do you think it has to have been disclosed for them to truly be intimate? Great question. I mean, intimacy is about really sharing of yourself, right? your deep thoughts, your deep feelings, your fantasies. And if if this is a significant part of who you are and a significant part of your fantasies, then why not share it? Right. You know, I think it can feel in some ways like you're compartmentalizing yourself. If oh, sure. Yeah. Constantly, yeah, kind of hiding that or you know I'll talk about all of my other sexual feelings except for these 
Right. Uh, so, I mean, it depends on the person, but I think if it, if it really does start to feel like you're hiding or concealing, or if you have to sort of almost like put it more in the background, um, then I think that's where that bi plus person can really feel a lack of identity congruence. So that's, that's a term that I coined when I did oh, my sure. study okay. is where, where your, your self feels aligned and congruent, right? Right. So your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, what you call yourself, communities that you're in, um, it reflects who you are inside. Mm. Yeah. And so when a person, especially is in a, a long-term and monogamous relationship, and so that person is now dating a man or a woman or a non-binary person, and it may kind of start to lean their life in a certain direction. Sure. You know, maybe now that all of their friends are straight or all of their friends are gay, and it can just sort of feel out of, out of balance and incongruent. Mm. Yeah. And so I really, you know, encourage people to try to find ways to really express that whatever is inside to express it with their partners. And even within the bounds of a monogamous relationship, you can still talk about your feelings and attraction. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can watch movies together. You can go to events together. You know, you can go to queer community events, you know, together and things like that. So there are ways to do that where you're feeling more authentic. Mm. And, you know, I think that's really helps what, you know, a bi plus person feel healthier. Sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, instead of hiding it in some way, you know, living it out or experimenting it or just even experiencing certain things. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. So how can we break some of these views where people think, okay, you know, bisexual, well, you must be gay or a lesbian or straight. You know, people like we talked about this a few minutes ago about how people don't understand the differences. How do you think we can try to break that view and those misconceptions and those myths? Well, it's being more informed, I think, educating ourselves and, you know, seeing that really bisexuality is normal. It's a normal thing. It's, it's not something that is, you know, pathological thing, or it means that you can't be a certain way or love or, or you know, have a healthy relationship. I think there's just too many stereotypes that have been floating around and, yeah. We just really need to challenge those stereotypes. So I think the more that we really recognize that it's okay to be bisexual, pansexual, fluid, et cetera, it's just a natural part of, of human sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, bisexual people exist. You know, there are people like me who exist and there's many, many other you know, authors and leaders and celebrities, you know, that are coming out and are really speaking out about this. And so I think, um, you know, we need to really remember and, and uh, to tell folks, and if you're not bi plus, it's important to learn how to be an ally and to understand the labels. Um, and also just to see the, the beauty, the beauty in being bisexual, because, you know, I really think there's, there's so much wonderful, you know, experiences that a person can have when you have the capacity to love, you know, more than one gender right. or to enjoy sex with more than one gender. I think that's such a special thing. Um, and it shouldn't be something that people are ashamed of or that need to hide. And you know, I think also we allow, you know, young people mm. to also feel freer, you know, who, who knows, you know, how soon I would have come out if I'd had, you know, an upbringing where it wasn't so taboo. Right. You know, so, you know, we need to, you know, make it okay, make it seem normal that, you know, a person can have a crush on a boy or a girl or a non-binary person. 
and to date, you know, different people of different genders. We need to just sort of allow that that flexibility in our minds. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's getting more like that. And it's interesting, a thought popped in my head when, we, when you were talking, uh, something I saw on Instagram, and it was talking about this person was saying how it's only natural to be heterosexual. And then the response was, well, even in even with animals, wild animals, there are wild animals that have sex with the same sex or, you know, might change it from day to day. And I thought that was really interesting. It's something that I had never really thought about or heard of before, that there are animals out in the animal kingdom that do that as well. Totally. You know, <laughs> as a natural, why would animals right. be doing it? And, exactly. And they're animals too, you yeah. know, slash. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you know, and actually, you know, primates who are the closest to us genetically, you know, the bonobos, mm-hmm actually engage in all sorts of sexual behaviors and you know they seek sex for you know intimacy but also just for sharing of resources sure sure (laughs) (laughs) they're very like human and uh and so there's so much examples of bisexuality amongst the animal kingdom you know and monogamy as well where you know there's penguins who are that are very monogamous they will Mm. partner up with the same gender penguin to raise a child you know their little baby penguin and then you know for whatever reason they may break up and then develop a relationship with us with a penguin of another gender so we've seen that happen and and so why not you know, bisexuality is is definitely natural. Absolutely. I just thought that was a great way to put it where they were, you know, trying to poke holes in this person's theory that it wasn't natural. It's like, well, then, you know, <laughs> you're wrong. You know, animals do this as well. And we are animals too. But I mean, animals in the animal kingdom, they are doing this. So how can it be? Yeah. How can you separate that? That's natural. You know, that's, they're right. not taught things. They're not taught culture like we are. They're not told that's not normal or, you know, that's abnormal. So it's very interesting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just instinctual. And over time, if you really look at the history of humankind, there's so many examples of people in different relationships, right? So, so if this was something that was just sort of a strange fluke, why would there be examples of people loving different genders across, you know, many centuries? Right, exactly. Civilization in different parts of the world. And in some parts of the world, it has been deemed pretty normal. You know, the, the ancient Romans, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were encouraged. Men actually were encouraged to find older male mentors. Mm, and wow. there was there was sexual sexual intimacy included in that mentorship, and then you know later that that man might you know, get married to a woman, and sure. so I mean that was just seemed you know that was just a normal part of their culture, and so again you know not only in the animal kingdom but over the human kingdom over time we've seen it in so many ways. And so I think we really just need to let go of this idea that there's really only one way to be intimate with people and right. just accept, yeah, there's just so much human diversity. And what do you say to people who think that if you do, you know, do engage in a certain act, that it actually will define your gender or sexuality? I mean, you know, we got to break that too, but some people think, oh, you did that. Oh, then you must be gay. Or, you know, oh, you watched gay porn. You must be gay. You know, like, I feel like it's, like you say, it's education, but it's kind of frustrating. And how do we break that and help people to stop being so rigid in what they think? (laughs) Yeah, I think we just, we have this urge sometimes to just put people in boxes, I think. Mm, Yeah. And Mm -hmm. um, it can just be a little bit too much. I would say feel free again to kind of be more flexible with that because behavior doesn't necessarily define your sexuality either. Right. Um, You know, I actually know of some lesbians 
who really enjoy watching guy on guy porn. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and they would never want to have sex with a man real life. But there's just something about the guy on guy porn that they find really erotic. You know, something about sort of the gayness of it. Yeah. Um, You know, so, you know, just because you watch a certain porn doesn't necessarily mean you want to do that actual act. Right. um, Or that that is who you are. Some people just want to also experiment and try. So they might just, you know, try to see what it feels like to kiss a woman or kiss a man. And then, you know, maybe see how that feels. And so just that one act doesn't necessarily mean now that that person is, you know, a certain way. Um, and so I say, you know, let let people define who they are. It's really about, again, more about attraction, that underlying feeling uh, rather than what it is that you do. You know, I there's also what we call sort of occupational bisexuality as well. Mm. Just on this topic where, you know, people might, you know, in the porn industry or sex work may engage in different sexual activity. Sure. And it may or may not really define who they are. Right. Sure. Or people who are in really kind of like limited situations where there aren't any other outlets. Hmm military prison and so that that also you know is where a person may engage in certain sexual activities just in during that time and so and they may not necessarily want to define who they are based on that or may not be really who they fully are and so we want to also respect that people have those types of experiences Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, you see somebody eat a piece of broccoli and then you're calling them a vegetarian. Well, you can't, you can't do it. You know what I mean? Like you can't can't define somebody by one thing that they like or are interested in or trying one day. Maybe they've never never tried broccoli, you know? Exactly. Now you're a broccoliist. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I saw a really interesting quote in on your website about how 57% of LGBT people are population is bi. And I thought that was really kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. So that's accurate, right? I mean, that's, that's wow. Yeah, that's the latest uh, Gallup poll. And, you know, and it's growing because of the other research studies that we've seen, it was around 52%. Mm. And so the number is now growing closer to 60. Wow. And so again, this really busts those, those myths that we don't mm-hmm. exist or that right. we're a super, super small slice of, of the, you know, LGBTQ pie, you know, maybe because we're, we tend to be pushed to the outside but in fact, we're sort of this invisible majority. Right, right. <laughs> There's so many of us, but we're just sort of like, we're not, you know, front and center. But yeah, so when, when you're wanting to work with the LGBTQ community or you're, you know, wanting to understand LGBTQ issues, it's just so important to include the B in the LGBT because we're there and we're 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 such a, a large number, I think that there can oftentimes be um, some some negative feelings and microaggressions also from the gay community. Yeah, um, sure. unfortunately, you know, mm-hmm. we don't always get along as one big happy family. Sure, and, you know, so so sometimes bi plus people do feel excluded, marginalized because they maybe mention that they're bi or they mention, you know, a woman mentioned she had an ex-boyfriend or a man mentions that he had an ex-girlfriend. All of a sudden now that person is now not truly in the gay community. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, so I think there's definitely some issues there. Oftentimes bi plus folks are trying to, to just get a seat at the table. And so that's why a lot of what I do in the LA Bi Plus Task Force 
is to make sure that we're advocating for our representation in the LGBTQ and making sure that, you know, we're getting programs and resources, you know, in that way, because we're really all fighting for the same thing. Right. You know, we're all wanting equality. We all want the right to love whom we want to love. And so there really shouldn't be this infighting, you know, because that really hurts all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you say all totally fits with me too, because I'm one of those people that, I mean, I knew at 13 that I was bi, but I, my entire life, I still have not actually acted on that. But I knew, I mean, you didn't, you know, and I, I was kind of like you for a while. I ignored it, but I grew up in a very strict home too, where it was, that was just, that was weird. You didn't talk about that. That wasn't a thing. And, you know, for the most of, for majority of my life, that's kind of where I was. And so when you said that about, you kind of forgot it for a while, it kind of like clicked with me and I'm like, wait a minute, I did that too. But it's true. You just know. And I just knew. And so, and I had those experiences too, where I did have a friend who was a lesbian and, you know, she's the only person I ever really told much to about this when I was younger. And she too was like, you know, you're sure you're just not lesbian. And we, we didn't even talk much further beyond that. But it was just interesting to me to hear you say all of these things in your journey and how different it has been to mine. You know, it's a very, very different, different journey than mine. But yeah, we need to support people. And when they're, when you know something, you know it and you don't have to explain it. You don't have to prove it. Right. You know, you know what you know. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how exactly. we get that to people. But... <laughs> yeah, you, you shouldn't have to, you know, explain. And, you know, that that in itself feels just so stressful, you mm-hmm. know. And so I, I use the term like heterosplain or gaysplain. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> you know, when a, a monosexual person tries to tell you who you are, you really shouldn't have to listen to that because right. they don't understand. And so, and that's okay. You know, even folks with the best of intentions might try to help, but I think speaking to more people who are on the bi plus, you know, kind of mm-hmm. part of the rainbow is going to help you more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that's why I've been so out and so open in my work I call it being a bi beacon. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I I try to shine that, you know, light, like a lighthouse to help others, you know, find out who they are. And you just don't know how many people have come up to me, you know, and said, thank you so much, Dr. Mimi, because I feel the same way, or I never knew how to put the words to my sexual orientation. Right. And, or I never saw like how I could live my life, you know, mm-hmm. being out. And so it's like, you know, having that template, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that, that vision of what it could be, you know, not, not an example from a movie of, you know, some like <laughs> sort of terrible character, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, going out there and just, you know, an unlikable character. But right. someone that, you know, is, is, you know, living a normal life and, and, you know, and I think that's why having my mentor growing up was just so, so helpful and has really, really grounded me where I don't question who I am, you sure. know? And so, so that's, you know, so important. Yeah. And I really think it's super important for young people so that they can just do that from the beginning instead of, you know, hiding things or, you know, denying things or going through that part where they forget about it for a while. You know, like they can just be who they are. I wanted to ask you too, how, how was it going to the White House? I mean, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> how was that? I mean, phenomenal, of course, you know, so exciting. I mean, it was, you know, so much anticipation going up to that. And, uh, you know, we all just felt so honored and really seen and taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. Because you know? up until that time, I think we were just kind of all clumped together, LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, different administrations prioritize 
you know, our community more or less. Mm-hmm. But um, during that time, the administration really wanted to meet with us and hear yes. from us, mm-hmm. find out what our concerns were and what our needs were. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it just felt like such a beautiful experience and you were preparing, you know, what we're going to do and what we're going to wear and, you know, all of this and, and everything. And so it was just really a spectacular experience. Oh, I bet. That's really awesome. That's so awesome that you were invited and that you went and did it. That's just more of that, right? Yes. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome talk. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to talk about or highlight more or introduce people to or talk about in any way? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think just if there are listeners out there, I encourage people to try to find those resources, you know, because sometimes it isn't there, right? You don't hear gay or straight people really talking about bisexuality, right? Um, maybe it's in a negative way. So it's not necessarily going to land in your lap, mm-hmm. right? I think even for me, when I was growing up, I, I had to, I mean, I was very lucky that my therapist happened to be so connected to the LGBT training program, but, you know, look for resources, look for, you know, influencers, websites, people can go to my website and I have a whole list of different resources, both local and national. My Instagram page, you know, all my social media, I try to promote different resources. So I think that that is a wonderful way just to keep it alive and so that you don't forget who you Mm -hmm. are and that possibly even finding friends and finding community be just so healing. So, you know, there, there are workshops that I do and presentations that I do. Some are in person, some are virtual so that there is more that's accessible out there, but I really encourage people to look for that. And if you also don't find a community that's there around you, I say, try to start one. Yeah. You know, Someone has to do it. And, you know, I, I've been able to create some different groups where I am, but, you know, I, I've seen many other people start their own community groups, whether it's online or, you know, in person. Those spaces, again, so, so healing when you can walk into a room and feel like you don't have to explain yourself. Right. Such a, such a powerful thing. People have driven hours uh, to come to the events Mm. that I've been a part of. Sure. So that just tells you like that thirst for community is there. So I really encourage people to to find and follow, you know, my work and other I plus leaders. And will you say the name of your website, please? Yes. So I'm drmimihuang.com and that's also my handle for my Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. And I will put those links down in the podcast show notes too, so that people can access them easily. This was awesome. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And it was very interesting. And I love to hear what you have to say. All your things are reaffirming and just, we all need to be more accepting and fluid. You know, that's just, that's how we need, that's what we need to strive for. (laughs) Yes. Let's all be more accepting and fluid. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) me too (laughs) well thank you so much this was awesome thank you so much for having me you have an amazing day thank you bye-bye bye Bye. i want to thank you for listening to this informative special discussion that is just one of those things i'm so glad is out into the world it is going to help people and it's just great to have her perspectives and her knowledge It was a great discussion. So I want to thank Dr. Mimi for coming on my show. Don't forget her links are down on the podcast show notes as are mine so you can learn more. I also have a new layer in my podcast. If you'd like to subscribe for the exclusive content, you can subscribe for $3 a month or whatever you choose and you can get those exclusive podcast episodes. I will still have the free ones, of course, but if you want the extra level where I also put 
my audiobooks that I can put there as well, and special episodes that are just for those people who decide they want just a little bit more of me and my podcast. So check that out, and I hope you have an amazing day. I hope this was helpful to you, and TGIF, it's a Friday. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Cheers. Love you. Bye-bye now. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.